Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to How Should I Be Positioned on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. On this podcast, we do like to discuss macro developments and asset allocation with our UBS Chief Investment Office and our third-party asset manager partners. Now, today's conversation, a very timely one, will focus in specifically on the state of the municipal market. Uh, joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome Kathleen McNamara, Senior Municipal Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, glad to welcome to the forum as well, Jamie Islin of Newberger Berman. Jamie is a Managing Director, Senior Portfolio Manager, and Head of Newberger Berman's Municipal Fixed Income Team. So Kathleen, Jamie, it's great to be with you both, and thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients. Kathleen, I know you'll be leading today's Q&A with Jamie, so I'll pass it over to you, Kathleen. Welcome. Thank you very much, Dan, and thanks so much, Jamie, for coming back and joining us again for a discussion on the state of the of the municipal bond market. It's been a while. It's great to be here, Kathleen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, we can just recap for a, a few seconds. In 2022, as you already know, we witnessed the worst year on record for muni performance. The sector was down by roughly 9%, you know, pretty much reflecting the aggressive monetary tightening policy by the Federal Reserve to bring down inflation. We saw volatility surge, and at the same time, investors in muni mutual funds headed for the exits. And many market participants, including ourselves, were very happy to close the books on that one. On the bright side, income opportunities in the muni space are back. So I think we have a lot to talk about this afternoon. So let's get started. Jamie, um, first of all, I'm going to say that um, munis, you know, we're certainly off to a very strong start in the first five weeks of 2023 before reversing course just a bit in the last two trading sessions. And I'm going to attribute that to the stronger than expected labor report that we saw on Friday. That said, on a year-to-date basis, investment-grade munis and lower-rated high-yield credits are now up by 2.8% and 4.8% respectively. In your view, what are the principal drivers behind those solid gains, and what is your overall outlook for muni performance in 2023, hopefully better than what we saw in 2022? Hey, Kathleen, certainly uh, certainly a lot better. Um, look, I think the... I think the first thing that you touched on uh, is really driving returns, and that's off a brutal uh, 2022. We finally have income and yield back in the municipal fixed income space. You've seen yields, uh, depending on the part of the curve, um, you know, in some instances more than double relative to where they were at the beginning of, of last year. And I think, you know, as you got to the end of 2022, the market started to stabilize. And as we entered this year, people looked at the absolute yields that existed in the muni space where, um, you know, intermediate munis on average were yielding around 3% to start the year. And I think people looked at that and said, this is really, really appetizing and interesting. And so, they started to put money into the asset class. And I think, you know, I think you're going to see a fair amount of asset reallocation decisions uh, into into munis. The other thing that you get in the beginning of the year, Kathleen, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past, is it's not uncommon to get a January effect where um, a lot of coupons uh, are paid on Jan 1, a lot of bonds mature on January 1, and that money um, has to go back into the marketplace. And so, um, the combination of that plus increased investor demand has really uh, created a pretty aggressive buying market. And then the last thing is supply has been, um, you know, uh, pretty moderate uh, so far year to date. And so 
I think we've had a we've had a really really nice uh, setup uh, for the market and uh, a, a pretty nice rally to start the year. You know, I do think um, I do think as you look out on the year, um, you know, as obviously Chairman Powell was speaking today, you know, there's going to continue to be volatility in fixed income. It won't be as high as it was, uh, thankfully, uh, in, as it was in 2022. Um, but you are going to see volatility as people parse over economic data that comes out as we listen to the Fed. And, you know, those moments of volatility are going to create, I think, you know, continue to create in this higher yield environment some some very interesting entry points into the market. So, um, yes, I I, uh, I was as happy as you were to say goodbye to 2022's returns and munis, but I am very, very excited about uh the higher yield environment and the potential opportunities uh, that exist uh, going forward. Yeah, we're definitely seeing uh, demand pick up uh, quite a bit, and uh, that reversal in mutual fund outflows was pretty nice to see too. Um, let's let's talk about on the supply front. I mean, the demand has certainly you know picked up. You know those those yields that you were talking about earlier. You know, three percent on intermediate munis. You know, was certainly enough to draw attention. You know, get some investors off the sidelines to lock in some nice uh, tax-free income. But let's talk about supply. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, you know, the pace of new issuance remains very tight. In fact, in January, it was down about 16% from the level seen last year at this time. Um, So that said, I mean, we we are now looking for an uptick in new municipal bond sales in that March to April timeframe, which is pretty much consistent with historical trends. Um, do you agree with that view? I do. Um, you know, as you start to look out the stack and, you know, even this week, um, there's a New York uh, issuer in the market uh, with, you know, an over billion dollar deal. So we're starting to get into the time of year, as you point out, Kathleen, where some larger deals start to, uh, um, you know, emerge and, and drive supply. So, I do think as you get into, um, you know, call it that late winter, early spring phase, you will see some more supply. That being said, I think you hit on a great point, Kathleen, which is, um, you know, when you think about the elevated demand uh, for munis now, and you also think about the fact that uh, fund flows, um, which were, you know, they were um, in the record territory for negative outflows in 22. Um, in in the last couple of weeks, we've actually been experiencing some pretty decent inflows into the space. So if that continues, I'm not overly concerned about the market's uh, ability to uh, absorb the supply. And um, even in even in January, where supply, as you point out, was um, quite modest, um, you know, deals are a lot of new issue deals that we've been seeing in the market are being met with many, many times over subscriptions. Uh, so even if you know, even if that supply does pick up a little bit, uh, I, I would I would view that as more of a buying opportunity. Maybe some things get lost in the shuffle, and a in a good time to put money to work. And if you look at history as a guide, if you can. You know, a lot of times muni yields do move higher when that supply picks up in March and April. It historically is a decent time to put money to work because then before you know it, it's the summer months and uh, um, we oftentimes see the muni market or the size of the muni market shrink um, during those periods. So um, I think if we get a little choppiness from elevated supply in the spring, I think investors should view that as a uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good buying opportunity. 
Okay, thanks very much for that view, and also the reminder about that, um, I guess it's almost a billion-dollar um, New York deal that's coming to market soon. Um, so that's good to know that we're already starting to see a little bit of more more supply come into the market to meet this uh, demand, right? Um, now let's move on to the yield curve. I mean, last year we talked about this, and I think we're going to be talking about it again this year. Um, if we look at the U.S. Treasury yield curve, you know, that remains – you know, very inverted, and, and it remains a, a big focus for fixed income investors. What does that Treasury yield curve inversion mean for municipal bond yields, and where on the muni curve do you now see the best value? It certainly puts some pressure on us uh, uh, on the muni curve, Kathleen. Um, that being said, uh, one of the things that the muni market has going for it in terms of yield curve shape is uh, we tend to have a lot of buyers on the intermediate or shorter end of the curve, and we tend to have a lot of issuance out on the longer end of the market. So that you know, generally creates a natural steepness to the overall muni curve. But as you point out, Kathleen, because the Treasury curve is, is not only flat, it's, it's highly inverted right now, that is, that is certainly putting pressure on the shape of the muni yield curve. So right now, if you go from two to ten years and you look at the triple a rated curve it's basically as flat as a pancake and i think the the first reaction that an investor can have when they see that is you know they could say look if i get the same yield in two years that i get in ten years um, why buy the ten year and you know i think um, in one sense that's a true statement but investors also have to be mindful that uh, you know, at some point, uh, we're probably getting closer to the Fed being done. And if rates do reverse themselves and, and continue to rally, um, investors will want um, to have locked in some longer term yields and some, you know, longer term maturities. So the the flat curve is, is frustrating in its appearance, but I don't think it's a reason in and of itself to avoid longer maturities. To answer your question on where we're seeing value. What's really interesting is it seems like for over a year, all the investors and munis have really been hunkered down in the one to 10 year part of the curve. And something that we've noticed and we've been focusing on recently is once you move out to 12 or 13 years, you start to get uh, a nice yield pickup because that's, that's an area where investors right now are less focused. And, uh, you know, just coming uh, onto this call, I was looking at the difference between the 12-year part of the curve and the 13-year part of the curve, and you're picking up for AAA munis just to go out from 12 to 13 years. You're getting almost an additional 20 basis points to do that. So I think if investors, if, if you're thinking about buying a 9, 10, 11-year bond, I would recommend pushing out a little further, try to buy something, you know, 12, 13, 14 years and get that nice incremental yield pickup there. It's not that big a difference from a duration standpoint, but I do think the yield pickup is uh, is quite meaningful in that part of the curve. Right. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, I've been noticing that myself, that that one to 10-year area has pretty much, uh, I guess it's a bit of a crowded trade, and as a result, the values there are not as great as if you just go out, as you mentioned, just two to three more years, uh, you can get a nice yield pickup. So I think that's a really good point for our investors to um, think about. Now let's move on to uh, credit quality. You know, um, in the face of an economic slowdown or, you know, possibly a recession that we've been talking about for a while here, are you now shying away from lower-rated high-yield munis, or do you think there's still some opportunities in that space? 
Yeah, I think there I think there are some opportunities in that space given the size of the sell-off and um you know you pointed out Kathleen at the start of the call you know we had a historic sell-off in munis and 2022 and high yield munis were were not spared from that so we saw a significant repricing there I think all things being equal, um, because you get a higher, much higher absolute yield in munis right now, um, a little bit of a better buyer of quality because you're getting paid right now to own quality bonds. You weren't in 2021. A lot of investors in 21 had to go down in quality to try to, to squeeze out a more respectable yield on their muni investment. Now with this reset in muni yields, you're really getting uh, a, a pretty attractive yield for high-quality munis. As you also point out, we are looking um, at a you know at a slower economy uh, this year. Um, I think when I think about the high yield space right now, I think some of the larger cap high yield names uh, that were sold in mutual funds last year as they had to raise money um, are pretty interesting. You know, if you look at some of um, example, you know, the Puerto Rico sales tax bonds that are called, uh, you know, COFINA uh, is their nickname. Um, you know, those those bonds are yielding um, north of 5% right now. So I do think there are opportunities in the high yield space. I think you have to really, in this environment, analyze each one on a, on a case-by-case basis. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from the right opportunity, but I also recognize that you know, there is uncertainty on the economy. And if you're getting paid to own, um, you know, single A, double A and triple A munis at a much more attractive rate than you were in recent years, I think that's that's a pretty nice place for investors to uh, uh, at least deploy a good chunk of capital and then, you know, maybe uh, balance it out with a, a little bit of exposure to uh, the reset in yields in the high yield space. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And as you were talking, I was just looking to see what the yield is on the investment grade muni index. And it's over 3%. It's 3.13%. And I think uh, about a year ago, that was probably closer to maybe 1%, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right right before that repricing that you mentioned. Um, moving on, uh, let's talk like sticking with the investment grade space, since that's, you know, the core uh portion of, of the um, portfolios that we're, um, you know, that we're pretty much um, advising on. Um, let's talk about, like, the individual muni sectors there. I mean, last year, I think what we did is we, we talked about um, finding value in some of those sectors that were hardest hit by the pandemic and were poised for a rebound. Um, I specifically remember airport bonds made that list. So here we are about one year later. Um, so, Jamie, which sectors are you now seeing the best opportunities? And... By contrast, are there any particular sectors that you are avoiding? Yeah, i I still like the uh, I still like the airport trade. It, it it did well, and airports have rallied with the recovery and travel. But I think if investors focus on you know the large uh, uh, you know kind of mega airports or international airports in the U.S. Uh, you know, Chicago Hair would be just an example. Um, you're getting you're getting a nice yield spread to own those names. You know, travel has really um, come back, and you know there there continues to be pent up demand in that space. So, still like that one. Um, yeah, I think I think some local credits are interesting. Um, local school districts that aren't overly reliant on state aid. Um, I think that's a pretty safe uh, place to. Uh, to, to be right now. 
and you know local toll roads that are more commuter um, oriented you know we continue to see um, you know people uh, you know people uh, favoring driving to work and uh, I think that's um, you know, as offices reopen, I think that's another um, good place to be. I think one point that I'd make that's interesting is, um, you know, state-level general obligation credits are, you know, generally very strong credits uh, because of all the financial resources that they have. That being said, when economies slow down, states do have a lot of economically sensitive revenue streams. So there's something you have to keep an eye on when when you get into a, a, a slower economic environment. That being said, it's I think um, not all, but many states may do better during this period of uh, economic slowdown than they they would have done in previous ones. And it's um, they just enter this period um, in a really, really strong position. Uh, states have built up their reserves and rainy day funds to record levels. Uh, they've gotten a lot of aid from the federal government through the various, uh, you know, COVID stimulus uh, bills. And I think for the most part, they've been very prudent in how they budgeted, even in the better economic years. So, um, you know, you just look at California. I think they have about a $35 billion. Um, they're at their statutory limit uh, for their rainy day fund, which is roughly 10% of their budget. I mean, that gives them a lot of financial flexibility um, in the event that, uh, you know, which they're facing a little bit, uh, you know, a, a revenue shortfall. They they will have tools at their disposal that uh, would not have been available in other economic downturns. So I actually think the states could do better this time than uh, you would expect uh, um, based on history and looking at previous economic cycles. So wanted to make that point as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point because we, we have been getting some questions already about um, California <laughs> yep. and, you know, what would happen in, in the economic downturn. So that point about the rainy day fund and the fact that municipal credit fundamentals at the state level are in much better uh, starting position than they, they, they were in, in some of these previous down cycles that we've been through, I think is a really important point. So thanks for that. Um, moving on, Jamie, let's now talk about coupon selection. I mean, coupon selection is obviously a very important element for portfolio construction. So um, against that backdrop, what coupons are you now focusing on? Are you looking at premium bonds or are you looking at some discounts? Which, you know, obviously with discount bonds, you do have to factor in what I'll call that dreaded de minimis rule <laughs> that I have to explain over and over again. What's your preference there? Yep. All things being equal, my preference is on pre- for premium structures. Um, we are still going to have rates volatility, and I think investors want to cushion themselves, particularly on their longer purchases, um, because once your bond starts trading, as you point out, Kathleen, at a big enough discount, um, it becomes less desirable to the next buyer of that bond because they're going to be assuming a, a, a larger tax consequence to own that deep discount muni. So I think focusing on, on 5% coupons for your longer uh, positions or many of them is prudent, um, especially if we get a, you know, a more unexpected backup in rates. That being said, uh, when you think about that part of the curve that I said um, was very attractive, that 12 to 13-year part of the curve. Um, if you go down right now from a 5% coupon to a 4% coupon, 
you might pick up another 30 to 50 basis points of additional yield um, to own the lower coupon. Yes, you will have uh, less protection against um, you know that dreaded uh, de minimis uh, issue if rates rise. But that is um, that is a lot of additional yield uh, compensation. So I encourage investors to um, don't look at coupons completely with blinders on. If um, if you can go down and coupon a little bit and and uh, um, you know pick up a spread like that, I think it's definitely I think it's definitely worthwhile. Um, I also think some of the shorter um, state level housing authority bonds are interesting. They will be issued. They do come to market at par typically. Um, so you do have less coupon protection, but depending on the part of the curve that you're in, you could pick up, you know, 50 to 100 basis points to own that parish uh, housing structure, which I think, um, you know, those are very typically highly rated credits, typically high double A to triple A. I think that's, um, Again, if, if people want to go down uh, in coupon, try to get some more yield to do that. And I think the housing space on the shorter end of the curve is, is uh, somewhat interesting as well. Mm, okay, yeah, so that, there's, that's a lot to think about. Um, so, you know, putting this all together, we, we did talk about the rebound in muni performance, the attractive income potential now available, particularly at that um, 12-, 13-year area of the, of the curve. Um, as well as, you know, a couple of muni credit sectors that, that you still see some opportunities in, airports, uh, states, um, some transportation credits, et cetera. What are some final thoughts and principal takeaways for municipal bond investors at this early stage in 2023? Would you like to highlight? I'd say, you know, that we should be grateful and excited that the credit quality of the asset class is, is in the position that it's in right now. Um, again, you know, the economic headwinds uh, may pick up a bit, but it's always good to enter a slowdown period from a position of strength. I'll also end on a, you know, just an overall positive note. Um, we've all been frustrated for so long, Kathleen, with how low yields have been. Now we're... we're, we're uh, yes. Yeah, we're we're back with that income, and it's an exciting time. Uh, fixed income investing has real yield cushion in it, and I think investors should embrace that. And if we get a sell-off, we get a pocket of volatility, it's really a moment uh, where people should think about deploying more capital into the asset class. So um, I, I'm a bond guy, so I, I'm Kind of, it's in my DNA to always say, "Where's the trouble around the corner?" But I do think this yield reset is something that is is I'm excited about, and uh, I think you know, as I speak to clients, they are too. Yeah, no, that's that sounds great. Let, let's end there on that point that you know, tax-free income is back in 2023, and we're all uh, looking forward to some additional opportunities as as the year progresses. Thanks so much to Jamie Iceland, Head of Municipal Bond Portfolio Management from Newberger, for speaking with us today. And as always, Jamie, we greatly appreciate your insights on the municipal bond market. I'd now like to turn it back to Dan Cassidy in the studio. Thank you. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and 
is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.